0: Welcome back to another episode of the Competing Biblically podcast. Nick joins us as always and Pancake is back with us today as we talk about the great commandment given by Jesus and what it means in the world of athletics to love God with our whole heart. Let's get into it. I'm here with Nick, and Zach Pancake is back with us after skipping the last one. Pancake, how are you doing, man?
1: Pancake! I've been doing really well, Seth. Uh, It was a great blessing to spend Christmas with my family, and then as well as my girlfriend's family. Just uh, being able to have and celebrate that time has been great. Awesome. Those of you that don't know, we are
0: recording at just the turn of the new year. Happy Uh, New Year! Yeah, Zach decided he wanted to ditch us during Christmas time, but you know what, we'll forgive him. And, and you've already heard him, Uh, Nick. How are you doing today?
2: I am great. I'm really excited uh, for this episode.
0: What'd you drink before you before you got down here?
2: Protein shake. Protein shake. Peach protein shake. Pure protein. No, Seth, I'm doing great. Excited uh, for this podcast. It's been really fun uh, talking with you and Zach, um, and I'm excited to see where the Lord takes us in this episode.
0: Yeah, sorry if things get a little out of hand. We've already been sitting here talking for about 45 minutes, and, and we've wound each other up. So, so getting down the business, last week we launched with 1 John 4, and we discussed the idea of, we love because God first loved us. Well, where do we go from there? Today we are going to the Great Commandment as told by Jesus. Yeah, so Nick, why don't you just share that with us and, and share a couple of your thoughts about why this is a, an important follow up once we understand the love of God?
2: Yeah, so responding to God's love, we love God because, or yeah, we love God because He first loved us, that comes from the Great Commandment. So the great commandment in the New Testament comes from Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, which is a prayer that all of Israel would pray on a regular basis. And uh, basically Jesus is kind of cornered here by the Sadducees asking him some questions, trying to cause him to stumble, and they ask, what's the greatest commandment? And he responds uh, in verses 30 and 31. He said, just quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And that basically just sums up all of the commandments. The Ten Commandments can basically Mm -hmm. be broken into those two categories. How do you love God vertically and then horizontally, what do you do? So that's what we hope to do in this episode is we're going to – let's take a a look here for a little bit of what that vertical – response is, so we talked about these things um, uh, that we want to compete with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, and great passion. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the whole heart portion, like how do we love God in return with a whole heart? But then also the second part of the great commandment is loving our neighbor as ourselves. So Mm -hmm. the definition of love uh, by Jesus uh, is this, that no greater love than this than that of a man would lay down his life for his friends, what he's saying there is it's sacrificial love. It's not cheap or inconsequential love. It is sacrificial love that takes from us and gives to others. But first, we're going to look at that vertical relationship, because the horizontal relationship doesn't matter until the vertical relationship is healed. So we started, we ended with the gospel last episode. Um, So how do we respond with a whole heart in competition to loving the Lord is the question We have to answer first.
0: Yeah, I think the beginning of pursuing something with your whole heart is you have to make a decision beforehand that this is what you're going after. This is what you're pursuing. And I think especially today, we live in a culture where people don't want to commit or make a decision to do something. They'll do it on this basis or we will go do this, but we'll have this as an out if it doesn't work out. I mean, you look at the culture we have of cohabitation. People want to commit to a level, but they always want to be able to get out of something if they don't like what's going on. So in order to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, you have to decide beforehand, before situations come up, you have to decide that Jesus is the one that you are serving and honoring first before yourself, before others, Beforehand, And you cannot devote yourself wholeheartedly to something without making that decision.
2: Seth, I love the word decision when it comes to this stuff. Because uh, the word decision in Latin actually means to cut off. The best illustration for the word decision, think Cortez and the Spanish coming over to Mexico, the conquistadors. Cortez comes over with his crew. They're coming from from spain across the atlantic ocean it's a long trip it's tumultuous Um, the seas are tough and meat's spoiling water's going stagnant and stale and mutiny is on the verge of happening cortez picks up on this and as they um, prepare to come uh, and land he devises a plot and a plan that the men are thinking about when we get off this boat let's kill him let's get Back on the boats and let's go home. And then we don't have to do any of this stuff. And Cortez said, No, we're sent here for a mission. The mission is more important than anything else. And there's probably some selfishness and other things in there too, but the mission is more important than anything else. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get everyone off the boats, all the horses, all the supplies, and then I'm going to burn the ships. Then these men will have to fight or die. We'll either achieve our mission. And we'll survive and we'll conquer until the next fleet comes or we'll die in the process. So I love the word decision, uh, the cut off
0: all other option. I love that too. And when you said to cut off and the idea of burning the ships, what came to mind is Luke 14. And it's in verse 26. And Jesus is saying, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife, and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such person cannot be my disciple. Is he saying that we're called to hate all those people around us? No, but our primary loyalty, our wholeheartedness is devoted solely to him now, and all of those other things have been cut off. Yeah, I
2: mean, as you're talking about cutting off, what comes to my mind is, the I don't know the exact address, Pancake, you're going to have to look it up for us, but... Um Jesus says if your, if your arm causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, then pluck it out. Because it's better to go into the kingdom of heaven with one arm and one eye than to go in with an arm and a, both arms and both eyes and be cast into eternal fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is, like, when I think of cut off, along with those things, that also is what comes to my mind is, um, especially when you're looking at this, like loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Uh, and loving your neighbor as yourself and now applying that to sport and applying it to competing biblically and we're going to look at this in a second uh, like like Cortez was committed to a mission we're committed to a mission as well the mission of a world being transformed by image bearers a world being transformed into the image that God has uh, initially uh, intended for it to be in and one day Jesus is going to come back and make all things new but in the in the present time we're called to fill the earth with image bearers Mm -hmm. we're called to make disciples and that comes by the way the words that we speak and the life that we live so we're going to look at things um specifically application to like the whole heart would be things like submission to authority Mm -hmm. the way that we submit to authority uh seth you were talking before the show about how passionate you were and excited you were to talk about the commitment of, to excellence in the little things. Yeah. So submission to authority and dying to self, not caring about ourself, but sacrificing mm-hmm. uh, for others, believing in other people, putting process over results, like all these things, you have to commit to them. You have to decide, you have to cut off all other option because opportunities to revert will be everywhere yes. and, in that process
0: and that's where i feel like in our culture our western culture there's plenty of ways to find comfort so it's such a huge temptation for us to to start this life with christ but then when the road gets tough if we haven't decided with our whole heart ahead of time that we're sticking this thing through then there's only really plenty of opportunities and plenty easier ways now those ways aren't as long lasting but there are easier ways to find other things in this world but they'll amount to nothing in the end. Um, Pancake, did you have that verse that Nick was saying? And go ahead, read it if you have it.
1: Yes, uh, the verse Nick had was Matthew 5.30. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount where God is talking about uh, a bunch of different topics and he gets to the topic of lust and adultery. And he brings up this phrase, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. And then says the same thing about your hand. If you're hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, like Nick said, because it's better for you to go into heaven with missing an arm and an eye than to burn for an eternity in hell. Um, And I think it's interesting, the topic you bring up, Seth, of counting the cost of this commitment that we're going to make. So in the verses you brought up earlier, in Luke 14, 26, it says, if anyone comes to me uh, and doesn't hate his father, his mother, like his father, his wife, his children, Uh, at the end of that section, it talks about this desire to build a tower for no one sits down and builds a tower and does not first sit down and count the cost and whether he has enough to complete it because you'd be ridiculed if you'd started this great project and had to stop halfway through because you ran out of money. And he compares this to our cost of discipleship, our cost of following God, and we're to consider this decision that we're going to make. And it's not a light one. It's not an easy one. There are plenty of easier options, but all of those, like you said, don't last long. So if we look for long-lasting joy and peace that is found in this discipleship, that doesn't mean the road's going to be easy. And that is the cost that we're supposed to be counting, is this hardship that comes with the life of a Christian.
0: What are some areas that you guys see where it is easy to look back and not count the cost? Um, when you're, you know, looking to and following after the Lord on your team, in your sport, wherever that is, um, what are some easy ways for people to look back and to shy away from being a disciple?
2: Yeah, so a lot of this stuff has to do with identity. How do you, how do you love the Lord? And how do you compete with a whole heart, clear mind, strong will, great passion? How do you do that? your identity has to be rooted in that love where the love of the love of God in Christ Jesus for you has to mean more than anything else. The mission to make Jesus known through our actions and through our words to declare and demonstrate the good news of Jesus um, to the nations, to the people around us. And we're going to look at that in a second. um, It's gotta be more important than everything else. And I, I, I see here like as you were talking, one of the things that came to my mind were th- these root idols. So uh, put some information in the show link on that. And this probably, a epi- we could do this as a whole, as a standalone episode, but just briefly mentioning them here, uh, we're constantly being, some of the things that are distracting us, that are pulling us away would be um, this allure of power. Like we want to be in control. We want power. Uh, we want everything that c- that comes with it.
0: Yeah. And Nick, Nick, shared last episode he played football because he wanted the recognition I was I enjoyed playing soccer because whenever I was on the field I felt in control there was something I was good at it was something where whenever I stepped on the field I was competent enough that I most of the time felt like I was in control and this game is at least partly in my hands so I can say that was definitely something that I have struggled with in the world of sport.
2: Yeah, so that that struggle for power, maybe, it, like Seth said, it's a struggle for control. It's also a struggle for comfort and pleasure. Like I, That's definitely one in my life uh, as well. And then Seth mentioned approval. These are kind of like at the core of everything that would deter you from Jesus. You're looking to replace these things. But the good news is that the love of Christ demonstrates, like, we have power in Christ Jesus, that control or security. We have security in Christ. The blood of Christ has sealed us. We've been sealed by the Spirit, and we can't be plucked out of his hand. Uh, we have comfort and pleasure. In the Psalms, it talks about, um, in the presence of the Lord dwells the fullest of joy, and in his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And we have approval. We're no, no longer called enemies, but we're called sons. We're called friends. Jesus, even in that verse that we were talking about, no greater love than this than that of a man who had laid on his life for his friends, Jesus goes on to say, and yes, indeed, I call you my friends. No longer are you outsiders, because I'm revealing what has been undisclosed, I'm now disclosing to you. I I think of this stuff playing out on the field, and I think of a guy like Jalen Hurts Mm -hmm. a couple years ago when he was playing for Alabama and got pulled in the national title game and had to sit out and watch Tua, I'm not gonna try to say his last name, but to watch (laughs) Tua go on and, and win a national championship and then to be his backup the next year and wait to transfer we're going to talk about belief versus unbelief and unity versus disunity in weeks to come but man that is an opportunity where you could could just blow up a team I mean I've seen it on my teams I'm not getting playing time I'm out Uh, I've been watching um, there's some language in this series so be careful but I've been watching this thing on Amazon Prime all or nothing uh, on um, Tottenham FC Mm -hmm. oh man the Spurs, incredible. But I've been just looking into the soccer dynamic of, or football, whatever you guys want to call it, Seth. I'm in. But, like, man, I find myself becoming a, like, I'm almost a Spurs fan watching this. But seeing, like, man, this guy's starting this game. He's not starting this game. He's not getting the playing time he wants. He's asking to be sold to another club so he can play. That stuff, man, that unity versus disunity, If you count the cost of loving Jesus with a whole heart and being a demonstration of the gospel, Jalen Hurts did that in that locker room Mm -hmm. by not causing a fuss, by not creating division, and he just bought his time. Mm -hmm. And he said, okay, well, well, when I'm a senior and I can transfer, I'm going to transfer to another school. I'm going to play my last year. I'm going to show that I can be an NFL quarterback. And now he's the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles, although he got pulled Halfway through the game last night, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it the whole way. But he's playing the NFL now. Everything worked out for him. But he took humility to say, "I am not greater than the team." Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know much about Jalen Hurts. I don't know his, his faith background. Uh, I know probably a little bit, but and that takes some type of work for me to do that it would have to be the holy spirit. Yeah. I couldn't do that on my own. I am I got way too much junk to be able to do that on my own. But mm-hmm. that that stuff encourages me. It's it's okay, you know what? Power, comfort, control, approval, whatever. Jesus is greater than those things. Yeah. And I made a wholehearted decision to follow him yeah. and cut off all every other option.
0: Yeah. And Jesus had those things. Power, control comfort and approval and he gave them up for us big facts but it doesn't stop there i mean he died he gave them up died for our sins and resurrected and now he sits and his name is a name that is above every name he has he has all these he has power mm. control comfort approval i mean he might not have all approval now but in the end every knee will bow and every tongue will confess
2: yeah, that, and that's leader. Like I don't know. We look at all the leadership books and all the things out there, other leadership podcasts. Um, that's leadership one oh one. Like you never ask people to do something that you're not willing to do yourself. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was tempted and tried in every way that we are, yet without sin. So there's no circumstance in sport or beyond where we can say, "Yeah, but Jesus, you hadn't, you didn't have to deal with this." Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he did. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. So we like to think that our challenges are, are greater or different. We just have technology that makes certain things more accessible. Um,
0: but Nick, we're in 2021. There's no way the world is the same as it was in Jesus' time.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you could go a lot of different places. Um, like even before Jesus, go back to the, the Exodus and we think things are wild things like i mean i'm gonna date myself with this comment but things like the jersey shore and shows like that, is that old? I, I mean it's pretty old Hans, pancake pancake you're younger than us is that is that an old man reference
1: uh it is no longer running uh people including myself who did watch it younger probably should not have <laughs> uh not a, not a not a show for our generation growing up but not a great one but for
2: all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Pancake admitting his sin live on air. Uh, just kidding. But yeah, I mean, you, you look at like all the craziness that we have to deal with today. And it's like, man, they dealt with all the same stuff. I mean, in the book of Exodus, there, Jesus, or, or Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. And they go crazy. And they give themselves over to a drunken orgy. And worship a golden calf. So it's like they Jesus had all the same temptations that we had, yet he was without sin, which is like it's just so comforting. And and he like we're talking about giving things up. And Seth, you made a great point. Like, why can we love Jesus and why is he reliable? I mean, I think of Philippians chapter two. When he gave up everything, he did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but instead laid down his life laid aside all the benefits all the perks of being the king of kings and the lord of lords laid them down humbled himself to the point of death even the humiliating death of death on a cross Mm -hmm. being put to open shame but then we see other other places in the scripture even though it seemed like jesus was being put to open shame his death and resurrection was putting the enemy at open shame Mm -hmm. so it's just beautiful so there's there's so much life to be found there is that we, we serve a leader. He's not unsympathetic because he's walked on this earth. Yeah. He understands. Yeah. He laid down all his privilege to be like us so that he could purchase us.
0: Yeah.
2: It's incredible.
0: I think of um I think of the idea of when you say didn't consider equality with God as something to be as a word attained or grasped. Yeah or it's grasped, um, but laid himself down. I think of the role of like a team captain. And this is something I love to work with leaders on teams um, and their mindset because so many times, I mean, I talked about this with our boys this year. They put on the captain band and they're excited. They want the captain band. They want to be seen as the captain. Um, and But so many players are eager to take on and to have that power and that authority And to get the attention and approval of being the captain. And yet the role of a good captain is not someone who lords themselves over or desires for themselves. It's not self-seeking. But a good leader, including one that is a captain on a team, is someone who's going to make those around them better. Is going to understand and see the mission that you're on as a team. And bring those around them to join in and to better accomplish that mission. Um, so if someone else does a great job and gets the glory, guess what? You've done a good job as a leader, whether it's a coach or a captain. Um, you've done well.
2: Yeah, and our world has it backwards. I mean, even think of the structure of leadership. And I think we're going to get to mission probably in the next episode. We're not going to get there. We're this giving episode. up on that. We had another verse, we, and we, I
0: think we're giving up on
2: it. We were very ambitious, <laughs> and I'm excited for that. But when we look at leadership, even like – you live, maybe, you, maybe you'll never be a captain, but you live to be a senior. Jesus gave us a model. The apostles wrote to that model, helping to teach us to observe everything that Jesus has commanded us. And they gave us this model of an upside-down kingdom. So this whole uh, two-by-four, four-channels-of-mission um, mentality that we're going to talk about, uh, the mission that we're actually on in sport is counter, countercultural. cultural. It's upside down thinking. It's different than the world views it. The world would say, man, you know what? You should strive to be when strive to be an authority. But Jesus gives us a warning. Don't lord your authority over people as the world does. Mm-hmm. Instead, if any of you desires to be first, you must be last. Mm-hmm. If any of you desires to be a leader, you must take up your cross state. Like you, that type of mentality of you got to lay down your life for the people that you're serving, servant leadership. So the world would say as a senior, you sit back and receive the blessings. So a tangible example of what does it look like to in the world of sport, love Jesus with your whole heart and love your neighbor as yourself, to love your teammate, it would be hey, if you're a senior, you're a coach, you're some you're a, you're a tenured coach, you've been there for a long time, your role is to serve. So what happens on a on a field, Zach, you're still playing college lacrosse. What happens uh, at the end of practice um, when balls have to be cleaned up and um, pads have to be put away and whatever else lacrosse players have in the field, this stuff
1: has to be gathered up and put away. What happens? Uh, so in my experience, I'm now a, a junior in college. Uh, I've made it this far, gladly with the grace of God. Um <laughs> But uh, in my experience, like everything uh, from a freshman, it's our responsibility to take care of everything for the team. So we're cleaning up ball buckets at the end of practice, collecting every ball on the side of the field. Uh, we're putting water buckets away. So we actually have to go get them out, fill them, clean them, fill them, and then put them on the field. And then when once we're done, empty them, clean them, and uh, put them back in the trainers. We have to do laundry every day, as you might know. Like stuff gets pretty stuff smells pretty bad really quickly when you have a team of 30 young young men. Uh, but like that's our responsibility every day. And when it wasn't done, we were punished. Um, there There's no benefit from leadership. There's no... And, and I think that's what like you guys are hinting on is like our responsibility. And now my responsibility is like in these years that like I've been told, oh, leave that for the freshmen. Like that's their responsibility and we get to sit back and do nothing. That is where like you're saying this very tangible effort of loving with your whole heart is like freshmen have stuff going on too. freshmen have classes freshmen have problems freshmen have uh, families that they want to get home to freshmen have friends that they want to get home to uh, and things that they would much rather be doing than laundry cleaning up the field and other things and I think a simple gesture of just staying and helping that doesn't always mean oh do everything for everyone But giving someone the benefit of like, no, like I care about you as well. And just because I'm in leadership doesn't mean I want everything done for me. And so I think like just those simple gestures as a leader. And I think like one of the cool things in our team is we've been given this leadership structure of captains, but then also squad leaders. So eight people on the team in benefit to the captains have groups of four guys that they're in charge of. Uh, So, like, I I was graciously given one of these positions last year after um, a leader on our team wasn't able uh, to play for the season. Uh, And I've stayed on in this position. But I think one of the cool things for each of these guys is just this idea of leadership connecting with lower classmen, connecting with freshmen, being able to help them in their duties, being able to help them even outside of lacrosse in schooling, uh, being able to help them study, give them resources. But I think like just that idea of like being in leadership doesn't mean lording your authority like Seth was saying it it means leading by example
0: yeah and I I mean cleaning up equipment is a classic example and I even want to take it maybe even a step further to say not just cleaning up equipment before after practice or loading up balls or whatever but if you go out to a team dinner Who are you spending your time with? Do you see that as your time to hang out with your friends if you're upperclassmen? My experience on most teams, there's a core squad on the team. There might be 23 guys on the team, but there's 9 or 10 that are really the core of that team. They're friends, they get along, mostly upperclassmen. So you go to team dinner, is that a time for you to hang out with your friends or is that a time for you to meet, to talk to, to sit next to? Um, someone that you don't know, maybe a a younger, a younger person on the team, maybe even you don't like all that much and to sit down and have a conversation with them or after practice, rather than just telling them to go home and you do their work for them, is that a time for you to just work with them and have a, spend some time with them while they clean up things like that? Not just doing these simple tasks, but seeing yourself as a leader and as a minister, um, looking for opportunities to build up and encourage people.
2: I think we need to look at the word next episode. Ambassador. So we're ambassadors on a mission. Um, it, I think there's some real there's some legs to that, which will be really fun. Anyway, but I think I would even in closing take it to another Taking it to another level of – Do it. So Zach um, and, or Pancake – We're going to give Zach some homework yeah. to do this week. Pancake, I got <laughs> I got something for you to look up again. Um, like it's not impressive for someone to die for their friend. Like it's not impressive for you to die for someone you care about. Like even the world would do that but basically saying that he died for his enemies, like when we were enemies. And I think the heart behind a lot of that freshman cleanup after drills and all that stuff is initiation. It's it's works-based acceptance. You have to earn your way onto this team. And it's anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. So if we're going to be gospel ambassadors on a mission, we can't lord it over them the way that the lord do, the, the way that the world does we can't be on that same line of thinking there's actually an opportunity for us to shine so this so this this structure or these principles that are put together here and competing biblically are meant to work for you as an individual so if you're the only non if you're the only christian on your team your light can shine but where this stuff really starts to take off is when multiple people or a whole team or a whole school, that's where I think, just a quick rabbit trail, I think Christian schools that compete against non-Christian schools have an incredible missionary witness, an ambassador-style witness to the world of sport Mm -hmm. that is oftentimes only lived out by a prayer before and after the game. Mm -hmm. Now, look, it's a great place to start. It's an incredible place to start. But there's so much more. And that's why we're doing this podcast. Yes. So it, it will, like those small individual flames, when brought together, as, as if you're the only Christian, if you lead someone else to Christ and you're discipling them, and that light gets brighter. And if that light's going to get brighter, this is a great way forward to do it. Because the gospel says you have nothing, you're an enemy
1: i died for you to make you a friend
0: i think pink do you have that verse pancake
1: yeah, i do. yeah so in romans 5 uh in verse 7 it starts for one will scarcely die for a righteous person though perhaps for a good one one would dare to even die but god chose his love for us that in while we were still sinners christ died for us yeah so what does that
2: communicate to the freshman on the team hey do this stuff so that you can be a part of this this inner core of the team perform for us so that you can be accepted imagine coming in as a freshman imagine coming in as a freshman on a team where the senior class the upperclassmen say you're on this team because you were chosen to be on this team you don't have to do anything to serve us in fact that we're here to serve you we're excited you're here Welcome. Hey, how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Hey, do you need a ride? Do you need this? How are you getting to workouts? How are things at home? Imagine if a senior class, an upper class or a group of upperclassmen decided, hey, let's invest spiritually, let's invest physically, let's invest um, emotionally and mentally in this incoming class. What does that say about what I mean? Just completely getting back to the, the, the heart behind competition. What type of teamwork would that foster? I mean, what type of buy-in would that be? What type of excitement would that draw? I want to be a part of that team rather than, hey, perform for us. Yeah. Hey, if you work hard enough, hey, if you do this, hey, if you do that, then we might accept you. Yeah. But until you prove that you're a part of this, what what else does it look like? The gospel says... No, you're approved because I chose you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And day one, you get all the privileges of being a part of the kingdom. That's true. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We got to look at everything through the lens of the gospel. And like Seth, you opened up with that word decision. We have to decide. Mm -hmm. You got to make a decision to follow Jesus, which means following his ways, the Great Commission, or the Great, yeah, the Great Commission, part of it is uh, he tells his disciples, he says, teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. So that's part of this thing as we count the cost, as we make a decision to follow Jesus yeah. uh, in the world of sport. But we cut off all other option to follow him. And to observe or obey everything he's commanded, even if it doesn't make sense to this world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that we talked about the idea of decision today because you have to make a decision ahead of time. Because if you make the decision as you go, when things get difficult, it's going to be too easy if you have an out to leave. So count your cost. Who are you serving? Are you going to serve yourself? Are you going to serve the opinions of other people so that you can find approval in their eyes? Or are you going to serve the living God? Because the truth is, the opinions of other people, what you like in yourself are all going to fade. But it's the opinion that Christ has of you that is the only thing that's going to have eternal value. And if you decide to serve him and him alone, even through the difficult things, if you decide to stick with him when things are difficult, and if you decide to follow through on the difficult things that he asks you to do, watch out because you are going to see God move in you and through you to your team, whether you are a coach or an athlete. So thank you guys for joining us on that conversation. I cannot wait to see where we go from here. So we started with, we love because God first loved us. And we went to the great commandment, To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. And then next week we're going to get into um, some more things with loving with a whole heart. And I believe we're getting into the Great Commission. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you Nick and Zach for being with us. And we will talk to you guys next time.